0: People assume that because cork comes from the bark of a tree too, that you have to cut down the cork trees to get the material, but that's completely false. Cork is a regenerative material, so it's the bark of the cork oak tree. And I had the pleasure of visiting the farmers in Spain as well to see how they do this entire process. And there is such a bond between these farmers and their trees.
1: Welcome to Better Business Founder, the podcast for purpose-driven business founders seeking to build a meaningful business on their own terms. I'm Liki Tank, and I'm here with you today to find out how better business founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Are you ready to create change with your business? If so, let's go. Today's episode is with Shivani Patel, founder of Archer, a brand of lifestyle accessories that makes vegan and sustainable goods that are designed with purpose and intent. Archer works primarily with cork as an alternative to leather. I should admit, one of the reasons I initially wanted to talk with Shivani was because I was really interested in learning all about the growing and the processing of cork as a material for fashion items. So in this episode, Shivani will share with us the benefits of using cork, the life cycle of cork oak trees, and why cork is a regenerative source of material. But then we will also learn a lot from Shivani's business founder's journey. Because Shivani has created a thriving business that started in Chennai, in the southern part of India, and now her brand is carried in many stores, not only all across India, but also across Japan and other places around the world. The success of Archer didn't happen by accident, of course. Archer was launched in India in 2015 when Shivani just finished her design school. She launched her brand with no business training and at the time when sustainability was not a concern in the society. Shivani had to work a lot to build her business, to sell her ideas, to create change. The story of Shivani's crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo in India in 2015 is a demonstration of her dedication and persuasion skills. If you want to get some very practical advice for starting and growing your business and learn the reality of developing a mission-driven business, this episode is definitely for you. So welcome Shivani Patel. Welcome Shivani. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. I'm really
0: happy to be here.
1: Can you tell us where you are originally from and uh, where you grew up and what did you study at the university?
0: Uh, So I'm from Chennai, uh, which is uh, a city in the south of India. It's one of the major metro cities of India. Uh, culturally so my mother is originally a Punjabi from Delhi and my father is a Gujarati but his family settled in Chennai so I'm from a very mixed cultural background because we're essentially North Indians living in the south of India but I think the beauty of Chennai is it's a very open very welcoming place and it's a very homely place and compared to many big cities um, it's just simpler, and life here is a little simpler compared to big cities, even in across India. So I um, studied in the National Institute of Fashion Technology, Chennai, and uh, my specialization was in footwear and leather goods. So I did accessory design, and the reason behind that was. Uh, My father was in the leather goods export industry, so that's what I was exposed to as a child. And I just developed an interest and inclination towards that very early and I wanted to pursue it further.
1: So what is the vision of the world you want your children to be living in?
0: I think um, a lot of us around the world have been thinking a lot about sustainability and what this all means for us. I think there are so many things that we keep hearing about on a daily basis that obviously influences the choices we make and the kind of world we would prefer to see. And I think for me also, that's where my journey began with a vision of just having lesser harmful things around us, having things Things that bring meaning to your life and just are better for the world around you. So I think I just envision, I know it sounds very cliche, but uh, we envision just a brighter and a greener future. And I think that's what I work towards with my business as well.
1: And so what is your business? What do you make in your business? What do you create? What do you produce?
0: Uh, So, my business, my brand is called Archer, um, A-R-T-U-R-E, which is a combination of the words art and nature. And that is kind of my beginnings as well, because uh, as a child also, I was very interested in art and I I still paint a lot. That's my hobby. So, I've always been interested in art and I've been interested in design and When I started my journey, I knew I wanted to create a brand. Uh, Even though I was trained in leather goods, I started thinking about something more sustainable because I wanted to do something that's better for the environment. So that is the nature part. And I think those two things just came together for me and formed this name for the brand I wanted to create as well. So we're essentially a, a brand of lifestyle accessories. Uh, who make vegan and sustainable goods that are designed with purpose and designed with intent. And we primarily work with cork as an alternate to leather. And the products that we create are uh, wallets, card cases, travel sleeves, tech accessories, all of that for men and women.
1: And so who are your clients? Who are your products up for?
0: So... um, Our products are for people who are conscious about their choices, who want to make choices that are better for the environment, and also for people who appreciate great design. We've seen in the past that for some people, their motive may not be to choose something that's sustainable. They might just want a product that's beautifully designed and we cater to those people as well and in the process by giving them something that's beautifully designed which is also sustainable we're helping them also make a better choice and they appreciate that too so they start their journey many people start their journey uh with a brand like ours you know making better choices for the environment
1: It seems that your brand is creating value for people that are buying your product, but also benefits to people that are not buying because you're using sustainable material such as cork. Can you talk a little bit about cork and explain to our listeners why cork is so important and actually how you came about using cork?
0: So, um... When I started off, I was essentially looking for an alternate to leather. And what I realized is that most brands who are working with leather alternates are using plastic-based materials like PU. And I didn't want to do that because I know that that's not the solution. And that's where I think my hunt began because I wanted to solve both of these problems. I said, it, it needs to be non-leather and cruelty-free, but at the same same time, it also needs to be good for the environment. You can't just have one and not the other. And I think it was a a bit of luck and a bit of just happenstance that I came across Cork. Uh, So I I was actually making a notice board for my own room because, like I said, I love doing these art and craft type things. So I was creating things for my own room. I was making a notice board with Cork. And I started thinking, why can't this be used to make products? And then I did some research and I saw that in Europe, it was a thing. People were making products with cork. And it's not the kind of granulated cork that you see on notice boards. Uh, It's a completely different material, which I hadn't seen in person before. So after that, I started talking to suppliers. I started bringing down samples and playing around with the material and seeing what's possible. And I fell in love with the texture, the feel and everything that it has to offer. So the most important thing about cork for me was the sustainable story. I think it's not just something that you can call sustainable just because it's made from a natural material. There's more to it. So the process of harvesting cork first, I'll talk about that. There's a common misconception that similar to paper, where you need wood pulp, you have to cut down a tree to make paper. So people assume that because cork comes from the bark of a tree too, that you have to cut down the cork trees to get the material, but that's completely false. Cork is a regenerative material, so it's the bark of the cork oak tree. And I had the pleasure of visiting the farmers in Spain as well to see how they do this entire process. And there is such a bond between these farmers and their trees. And Portugal Portugal is uh, the highest producer of cork in the world. So it comes from the Mediterranean belt. And they say that the cork uh, agricultural workers are one of the highest paid agricultural workers in the world. And that's one of the reasons is that it's such a skilled process, that process of harvesting the bark. So there's no machinery involved. It's done by hand and they use a kind of axe built for this. And they carefully carve out the bark from the tree and it just comes off like a snake shedding skin. It just comes off. But there's a technique to that that they pass on from generation to generation and they have their corked uh, trees that they look after and they care for them like their own children and they even told us they said when we plant a cork seed it's not for us it's for three generations later because it takes that long for the tree to be ready for harvesting to be used in wine stoppers and these kind of industries how long does it take for a tree to be ready I think the first harvest happens a little earlier. They call it virgin cork. So that's the first harvest from the tree, which I think I could be wrong, but it's somewhere around 30 years until that first harvest. But the the cork that's actually in a good uh, strength comes only from the second or third harvest, which happens 50 years after it's planted. And after that, Once you harvest it, it regenerates over nine to 13 years, and then it's ready for its next harvest. So the same tree gives you bark every nine years for over 150 years or so.
1: When you are engaged in cork farming, you are really thinking of the next generations. Yes. What are the features of cork? I know of cork because I live in France. I drink a lot of wine. And so cork is a bottle cap. But apart from that, what do we know? Why cork? Why is it good as an alternative?
0: so uh, so again uh, what we faced in the beginning when people their only association with cork was wine bottle stoppers yeah they weren't familiar with it in any other form so they said oh cork how can you use that for a wallet it's going to be hard it's going to be brittle and then the moment they touched our product they were so surprised because they said wow that's soft and that's smooth and that's not how i expected it to be So the processing is completely different for these two product categories. So when you harvest the bark, how they make the stoppers is they essentially punch uh, into the cork and they punch out the stoppers. But in the case of the fabrics, they slice them really thin and they mount them on a fabric backing. And that is what we import and then we use for our products. As far as the features go so, um, because you know it can be used in a wine bottle stopper, so it's pretty clear that it's a very water resistant material, which is why it's used in wine bottles. So, that's one great feature. And also, I live in Chennai, which is an extremely humid place, we're right next to the sea. Um, and with leather goods, what tends to happen is you get like a coating on the material uh, with humidity and moisture. But cork is resistant to that as well. And it's naturally antifungal. And it's so lightweight. You know, if you compare like a large size tote bag between leather and cork, it's about, I would say, about one third, if not lower, the weight of the leather bag, which is great in terms of functionality as well. And as a woman, you tend to put a lot of things in your tote bag and carry them on your shoulder. The things have their own weight. You don't want the bag adding more weight and, you know, creating aches and pains. So from that perspective also, it's really good and it's durable and it lends itself to many different products.
1: Oh, it's durable, as durable as natural, real leather.
0: I would say it is, it lasts, the products that we make last almost as long as you would expect a leather product to last. And we give it about easily three years um, that the product would last you really well. And that's with rough usage. But usually it goes five years with absolutely no issues at all.
1: You're still very young. You created this company when you were fresh out of school, right? Yeah. How was it? Can you tell us the early beginnings?
0: Um, So, so when I started off, because I was straight out of my design course, I spent some time sampling and then I crowdfunded and then I started the brand. So, I didn't really have any knowledge on what it takes to start a business. I had no clue, to be honest. (laughs) And whatever I figured out along the way was through a lot of Google searching. And listening to podcasts and reading a lot of blogs, and just trying to get perspective from different people in the industry on how they operate. And I think what I learned also along the way is that there's no one right way. Each person has their own journey, and it's completely different, and each person makes their own choices. And all these different people are successful in their own ways. So I think there's a little to learn from everybody, but at the same time, making your own path is also very necessary. And so how did you feel? Did you were you excited, scared? Or yeah, I think a mix of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was definitely very excited. Uh, luckily, the excitement continues to this day. I'm still excited about everything that's yet to come. And um, definitely scared. And there are some days when you're more scared than other days because you're just questioning yourself. You're like, uh, what am I even doing? I don't know how to do this. Uh, why did I bite off more than I can chew? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But then there are these other days when things are going well or at least you're feeling more steady and then it becomes easier to overcome those fears and I think pushing past those fears is essential as well.
1: And you mentioned that you did crowdfunding. So you launched a crowdfunding campaign. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: So um I launched this crowdfunding campaign in 2015. And, uh, and I'm from India where uh, though at that point Kickstarter and Indiegogo had become very popular in the US, mm-hmm. um, it still had not really made a mark in India and hardly anybody even knew what crowdfunding is over here when I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was an extremely challenging situation because I read about it. So like I said, I did a lot of Google searching and I'm like, okay, what are the different ways to fund a startup and uh, at least kick off my first range of products and crowdfunding was one of the things I read about. So it was completely new to me as well. And I was really interested in it. I wanted to explore more. So I read books on how to launch a crowdfunding campaign, tried to understand it better But the ground reality was quite different from what I expected, because like I said, India was not yet exposed to it. They didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) What I realized at that point was that, okay, not only do I have to educate people about what sustainability is about, because even that had not yet caught on. Um, veganism sustainability none of that had caught on so people weren't very exposed to it so I had to educate them about that then I had to educate them about cork on a wallet (laughs) that was shocking to people because they're like how can you have cork on a wallet and the wallet is supposed to be leather and then I had to educate them about what crowdfunding even is. <laughs> yes.
1: I think mean, that's the hardest part. Uh, yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So so I was literally like my journey with crowdfunding was very different from anybody else's, I think, because it was so early in that um that entire market acceptance of crowdfunding that I was literally going out to friends and family to their houses, showing them my products and saying, this is what I want to do and I want to create and this is my vision mm-hmm. and I want your help and then I was like, okay, hey, this is cr- what crowdfunding is, I'm not taking your money, you're just sort of ordering in advance for mm-hmm. product from my range and if you like the products, then just order in advance there's this website, Indiegogo. You can place your own through that. <laughs> and I will send you the product in a few months time. So that was my journey and it worked somehow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it somehow worked and I got a lot of um, really um, supportive people putting in money and that helped me kickstart that journey. And we managed to collect enough to at least uh, get our first round of production out. Um, and I think by December 2015, we officially launched.
1: Yeah, but it was also a um, validation step of that you're on the right path, that the, yes. you, you can sell, that you have the right product, and you can also educate people yeah. around you about these very important issues. Because when I look at your brand, what I see is... Much more than a fashion brand. It's more um, a lifestyle brand with a very strong message towards uh, minimalism, uh, more sustainable living and decluttering your life. And so I find your message very powerful. How would you define success for your brand as a business, but also as a vision?
0: So... As a vision, um, we want to create a lifestyle that is better for people, the planet, and for animals. That's our overall vision. And I think the closer we move towards that and the more we're able to influence the community around us to also take steps in that direction, the more successful we would feel. And that even means um, other brands coming up who are also sustainable. I think, uh, as an overall vision, those kind of things are also wins because um, you want to see the community developing as a whole because only if everybody cares about it can we make enough of an impact together.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, that relates to the question that you've asked, and this is how I found yeah. you, um, yeah. because you asked a question on a Kimbo podcast about, uh, you know, communicating about your. Uh, what was the question? Was it Was a very small question.
0: Uh, so it was it was about like I think Seth had mentioned in his book that authors blurb other authors. Um, And I was trying to relate that to my own brand. And I said, uh, um, and like as a brand selling wallets, I would not promote another brand selling wallets. But I think he brought up a very interesting point that only if we help the entire market of vegan wallets to grow, will we all grow as individual brands, uh, not trying to corner a very small market. I'm interested in your
1: entrepreneurial journey, which has been very successful so far, but I'm pretty sure that you've made some mistakes. And so could you share one or two mistakes that you've made that could serve other people that are on the same journey?
0: Yeah, definitely uh, mistakes are a part of the journey. Um, So I would say one of them is not educating myself Enough on how a business is supposed to operate right in the beginning, because there are a lot of complexities that come up as you go along the path, which can be like taxation-related and legal and those kind of things. And they sound very boring to a person who is just starting up and you're really excited and you're like, "Let me go there, let me create stuff." And but I think it's very important to um, understand those things. I had to learn them a little later in the process because things came up and I didn't know how to deal with them. But I think at least taking that time out in the beginning to educate myself about these things would have definitely helped me in hindsight. Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's one. And uh, I would also say that not creating enough of a tribe before I was ready to launch. If I were to start something new again today, I would learn from that. Uh, The moment I have an idea that I think is interesting, I would start trying to create a community around people who believe in that before I even have a product ready to launch. And that's something I think that I didn't do before. I, I had to start that process after I had my products. Um, it makes it a little harder and a little more expensive even uh, after you've already made your products. So I would definitely advise that to people that the moment you have a clear idea or a clear vision of where you want to go, uh, start talking about it, start building a community around it, because I think that would really help when you launch, there are people already waiting. Yes. And
1: uh... It's how you create um your raving fans, uh, yeah. people that, that are here for you, that they will support you and have your back as well. Can you tell us what brings you most joy on your day-to-day basis, managing and growing this business?
0: Um, <laughs> okay. So professionally, I think... Um, Just being able to create and ship my products, that gives me a lot of joy. It may sound a little silly, but it's just a little thought I go to cheer myself up. And when I'm feeling a little bit down or feeling like I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) then I just think about the fact that a lot of people in the world, internationally, there are people using something that I was a part of creating Mm. and that thought just motivates me and just you know makes me feel a lot better it's just something I I like to think to myself I haven't ever said it out loud to anybody else but (laughs) yeah I um but I think it I think reminding yourself of those things helps on days when you're not feeling your best Um,
1: yeah sometimes you're not feeling your best because um, as a business founder, as a business owner, there are things that you have to do that you don't enjoy doing so much. So are there any of
0: these things? Um, there, are a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of those things. Uh, l- like I said, right, I think also when we're starting up, we, we romanticize the idea of what this journey is going to be. And we imagine ourselves Um, always doing only the creative work but a lot of the time I would say I think we end up as a founder if you're also the creative um, you end up spending a maximum of 20 to 30 percent of your time on the creative work and the rest of the time is on work that you would not have in your younger days uh, ever imagined yourself enjoying, which is like administrative or dealing with your your team or uh, or like your like I said taxation and your accounts and all of those things. But I think I think the key is to just remember that that's part of it. That is part of it, and if you want to enjoy the benefits of running your company and bringing your dream to life, this is part of that as well. So, you know, I don't think there's any use in just being grumpy when you're doing these things or just, you know, being, being annoyed that you have to do these tasks. Though it does happen to everybody sometimes, we're all human. But yeah, I think we just need to make that a part of what we do every day and just go on with it because all of that is essential in bringing the dream to life.
1: We talk about Indiegogo and your crowdfunding platform, which helps you to do your first Mm pre-sales. Now, uh, we talk about things that are not related to design and creation, which is sales, and you've been pretty successful so far. Do you mind sharing um, a little bit of your journey of how you managed to build and grow your sales network?
0: So uh, we primarily sell through our own website, which mm-hmm. is myarcher.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sell internationally through our website. So wherever in the world people are, they can come to our website and shipping is inclusive. We don't charge additionally for shipping anywhere uh, in the world. Uh, additionally to that, we also have retail networks. Um Right now, we have in India, because it's our home base, so we have about 15 retailers across India selling our products. We're also on Amazon India and online marketplaces like that. Uh, Internationally, we have a good presence in Japan. Uh, We have a distributor in Japan and through that we're in a lot of stores there. Uh, And we're looking to expand more into other markets as well. I think UK, the US, all of these are things we're definitely interested in exploring. Um, It happened pretty organically for us. Uh, Within India, of course, we uh, actually went to stores uh, within our own city first. We reached out to retailers here and... Once we saw interest, we put ourselves into different stores here and then we started doing pop-up events uh, Mm -hmm. across India and through these pop-up events and every time we would travel to a different city like Mumbai for a pop-up, uh, we would make sure to visit stores in Mumbai as well and talk to them about our products. Uh, and also, there were many retailers who would come to these pop-ups looking for brands. And in fact, um, funny thing is, we found our distributor in Japan through a pop-up in Mumbai. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was living in India at the time before he went back to Japan and uh, he saw our products and. Uh, that's how we built that relationship. So most of that has been pretty organic, but also there is some time spent in uh, actually looking out for good stores to partner with and reaching out to them. And there is some cold messaging involved. Uh, and in many, th- many times it has converted. So you know, we try to craft our messaging in a way that it appeals to that store and we're showing them the benefits that they would have by having our products at their store.
1: Yeah, what's striking in your brand is that is it's not all about the product. It's more about the message, the vision that you're selling. And this is very sharp, very strong. When people are interested in this kind of vision, it's very obvious. You know, it's in the design of the product itself. When you we go on the website, everything is very, very clear. So congratulations. Thank you. Can you tell us what's the future development for Archer? Do you have any new product launches? Do you want to grow other categories of products or using new
0: materials? Uh, So yeah, it's a mix of everything. So we, in fact, just last month, we launched Cactus Leather as a new offering on our website. Um, So Cactus leather, again, one of the reasons it really appealed to us is that the story of it is very similar to that of cork. And like I said, cork is regenerative, so is cactus. So in uh, similar to cork, you don't cut off the whole plant or kill the plant. They only um, they cut the pads of the prickly pear and uh, those regenerate. So. Uh, the plant is not harmed in any way and they grown organically. And so uh, we thought it really appealed to us and it easily fit into our story and our vision. Um, So I knew we had to take that forward. Uh, So we launched right now, we have a couple of pouches and a money clip wallet in cactus leather. So we plan to expand on that range, definitely. And we plan to introduce a new color of cork in the next few months, um, yeah and in terms of product categories we definitely want to do uh, notebooks we want to do belts uh, belts is something people have been asking us for a lot uh, in India especially um, so we have a lot of um, vegetarian communities in India like the Jain community for example who are very strictly vegetarian and they don't use uh Leather because it's against their personal values. Um, So they are always on the lookout for vegan options. And for men, I think they're looking out for shoes and belts. Um, So they've been asking us a lot because I think there aren't many great vegan belt options. And like I said, it's always plastic based or they don't last you very well, they they tear very fast and things like that. So it's something we're definitely working on and hope to launch later this year. Wonderful. Okay, can you tell us again where people can find you? Yeah, so that's uh, www.myarcher.com.
1: All right. So people can find your products and they can buy it from wherever they are in the world. And you say that shipping is included. That's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Is there anything else you want to add? I think
0: that we've gone through everything. I think that was pretty thorough. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you on this podcast today.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye, Shivani. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Did you like this episode? If you've enjoyed listening to Better Business Founder, why don't you share this podcast with a friend that could also benefit from these conversations? You can also subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and leave a review to help other people find these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. Hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. And I would love to hear from you because I believe that your business is the catalyst to create the change you want to see in the world.